It's the end of the month, which means it's time for a media spotlight. This month's end of the month spotlight is on the proper care and feeding of husbands by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Talk about tough love. Um, Dr. Laura does not mince words when it comes to telling women how they need to shape up as wives. And if any of my listeners think that I'm tough on my audience, Dr. Laura takes that to a whole nother level. And I certainly think that she's earned it. Um, she's, you know, a lot older than me. She has a lot more experience. She's been doing this for 40 years and she saw the writing on the wall much sooner than most, I think. And she says, quote, contrary to what a good 40 years of feminist propaganda has claimed, it is not oppression, subjugation, or abdication of any feminine quality of life potential. To marry a man, be proud of your bonding, rejoice in your gifts and sacrifices for your marriage and family, and derive pleasure and sustenance from your role as a wife and mother. End quote. And also, she says, and I found this so interesting, quote, a major study reported in April 2002 at an American Heart Association forum concluded after following patterns of heart disease and death among nearly 4,000 participants for 10 years that men and women who defy traditional societal roles may suffer more health consequences, such as heart disease, than those who adhere to traditional roles, end quote. I think that's incredible, and I think that that's God showing in very um, measurable terms that his plans are what's best for people, right? Now, this book focuses mostly on attitude and addressing the sinful negative attitudes that women have towards their marriages and their husbands. And so I especially recommend this for wives who are struggling with attitude. Dr. Laura shares, quote, there isn't a day that goes by when I don't ask at least one woman caller on my radio program if she expects to stay married considering her hostile, dismissive, or undermining attitude and actions toward her husband. What is amazing is how surprised they all seem to imagine that their husbands might have a limit to how much they'll take before they tune out or turn away. What is even more amazing is that this insensitivity to their husband's needs and feelings goes hand in hand with a hypersensitivity about any reaction, sorry, any action or reaction from the men, reactions that are usually more than reasonable, end quote. Dr. Laura also says, quote, far from being oppressed in their marriages, most wives are the oppressors, end quote. And I think that's spot on with everything that we've been talking about with regards to emasculation. Now, realistically, is a wife struggling with their attitude likely to read this book? Unfortunately, no. So a further recommendation that um, if you know wives who are struggling with having the right kind of attitude towards their husband and their marriages, and you are in a good place to be a great influence on them, this book might be a good idea to hand to them. 
if you're going to hand it to them, do read it first. I want to make a note here that I see this book as supplemental. Um, if you're looking for a step-by-step -step process to tackle specific problems, similar to how we present game plans um, on how to implement various disciplines and start new dynamics, you're not going to get a whole lot of that in this book. But I don't see that as problematic in the least, given that Dr. Laura, again, over the past 40 years, has put out many resources. Uh, she's written several books. She's also a radio talk show hostess. And that's great, which means you can access um, her content anytime She's still putting out content to this day. Now, Dr. Laura is not Catholic. She is Jewish. And this, um, I think, affects her take on things. And that's as it should be. I would hope that her beliefs influence her heavily. And I just want to share some examples of where I see that and where um, her views might differ from ours as Catholics. So one example is that she speaks of divorce as an inevitable outcome if a wife were to continue a certain behavior. Now, knowing that she's Jewish, I tend to see this as an adherence to Mosaic law. And of course, this is totally just my personal opinion. Um, I feel that because of this attitude that divorce is inevitable when bad attitudes and bad behaviors remain present long term, I feel that she then tends to overlook and therefore to address the reality, which I believe is probably more prevalent in Catholic circles versus non-Catholic ones. This phenomenon of couples who are basically divorced in practice, even if they are not divorced on paper, right? So you have a Catholic couple where the indissolubility of marriage is at least acknowledged, but then even though they are committing many mortal sins against their marriage on a daily basis, for some reason, they draw the line at divorce. Now, of course, the other part of that is that these same individuals usually do not acknowledge that their everyday behavior towards their spouse is indeed sinful. So sadly, in some sense, divorce is frankly no worse than what they are already actually doing because they are actually receiving the Eucharist unworthily as things stand. Second example, because Dr. Laura is Jewish, her references to Christianity, as far as I can tell, are through the lens of what she has encountered in her practice as a marriage, family, and child counselor. Now, obviously, we know that Catholicism is the fulfillment of Judaism, so her understanding of a biblical model of marriage um, is based on what we refer to as the Old Testament and therefore it's sound. But of course, she doesn't have the vocabulary to talk about that model of marriage in the context of, say, Christ's sacrifice on the cross. So take something which we consider essential, like Ephesians 5, where St. Paul instructs wives to be obedient and submissive to their husbands, and in the same breath instructs husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Um, even though these elements are missing from her vocabulary, they don't detract in any way from her message, her experience, or her perspective. A third example, um, Dr. Laura says, quote, Now I do feel that there are some behaviors and actions that may defy forgiveness, cruelty, violence, addiction, and affairs, end quote. And while a Catholic uh, would agree with the cruelty and violence parts um, not so much defying forgiveness, but again, that the church allows for the physical separation of spouses if there is a safety issue. Um, there, uh, forgiveness is commanded, but reconciliation 
is not always possible. And we tend to think of reconciliation and forgiveness as going hand in hand. And so the church teaches that sometimes these two must be separated um, in situations of physical abuse. But with that said, so I do agree with her um, statement regarding cruelty and violence, that this is not something that you stick around for. But the addictions and affairs part of the comment is... Again, another area where I fear, feel that Dr. Laura's intellectual adherence to Mosaic Law is evident. At the end of August last year, we spotlighted Layla Miller's Impossible Marriages Redeemed, which had stories of marriages uh, which grew stronger following affairs and in learning to contend with the lifelong cross of addiction. And so I would recommend... Uh, Layla's book to balance out this attitude that Dr. Laura has, which is understandable, but which in the grand scheme of salvation history is somewhat limited and limiting. Okay. Now I want to briefly address one bit of language that Dr. Laura uses, which I found that a lot of women object to. And this is what Dr. Laura refers to as quote, the truth that women have all the power in the world to determine the behavior of their men, end quote. We don't like this word determine. And we pretend not to like it because of what we claim it says about our husband's free will. Uh, women pretend that they don't like this kind of language claiming that it's insulting to their husband in that it paints men as simple and predictable. But if you take the time to actually research what men have to say about themselves, men will be the first ones to tell you that they are simple, not in a derogatory way, but simple meaning that their needs are very straightforward. And they will also tell you that when their needs are met, women can reasonably expect a consistently positive response. The desire to have one's legitimate needs met is a reasonable desire. So ultimately, there is nothing insulting in stating that men are straightforward, consistent, and reasonable. So what is it that women actually take issue with? Three things. Number one, they take issue with what the legitimate needs of men are. Number two, they take issue with what they perceive is a restriction on their behavior. And this is what gives rise to the language of claimed oppression. And number three, women are offended by what is implied about themselves in contrast to their men. Women take huge issue, and this was alluded to before in the previous uh, passage that we shared, women take huge issue with the fact that they cannot behave badly towards their husbands and expect their husbands to keep loving them unconditionally in spite of everything. And of course, there's a double standard revealed here, as is always the case when women are behaving badly in their marriage. They expect their husbands to show them love even when he doesn't feel like it. But if you tell a woman that her husband has the legitimate need for respect to be shown even when the wife doesn't feel like showing respect, all of a sudden, there's an accusation of oppression. Women don't want to have to do anything to earn their husband's love but they do want to make their husbands earn their respect. And as much as I wish I could say uh, that women are also straightforward, consistent, and reasonable, we're not. And this is very easily demonstrated by the fact that you can have two men 
in similar circumstances and their respective wives can be acting in very different ways in response to those circumstances. For example, let's say you have two men who work third shift. One wife complains incessantly about the hours he works and the other wife is profusely grateful that her husband is willing to make such a sacrifice to support her and their family. The two men come home early in the morning and both need time to decompress and to sleep. The wife who complains incessantly about her husband's hours also complains that he's not doing anything to help around the house while he's home. And the wife who is profusely grateful for her husband's sacrifice in working third shift goes out of her way to make sure that her husband gets the decompression time and the sleep that he needs. Or take another situation, two fathers trying to discipline their children. Uh, they both decide that the consequences for their respective teenage sons not cleaning their rooms and leaving their things all over the house is that they're grounded from their favorite extracurricular activity. One wife will criticize that her husband is being too harsh. Another wife will be grateful that her husband is involved and taking a not-so-pleasant task off of her plate. Or two husbands who try to be intimate with their wives, say, every other day, every two days. One wife will complain that her husband is too needy, and the other wife will be grateful that her husband still pursues her enthusiastically even after so many years of marriage. And if anyone listening says, well, it's not that simple. Surely there are other factors at play. Yeah, okay. And you're just proving the stereotype that women are much more complicated than men. <laughs> anyway, with all of that being said, in our podcast, we do shy away from words with such finality as determine, but we use words like inspire instead. We talk about how our behavior as wives can inspire our men to act in a certain way. And this language of inspiration, hopefully you'll agree, takes into account free will and bad choices. But the language that we use to say to suggest a potential cause and effect has no bearing on the reality that the overwhelming majority of men agree on what their needs are on how women can meet those needs and what women can expect from their men when their needs are met by their wives. In stark contrast, women are wild cards. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> I know I'm a wild card. Uh, one conversation sticks out very clearly to me. I was speaking from the place of experience where my husband and I have learned to bear the crosses of his recovery from multiple addictions together. And I had shared some tips uh, with other women whose husbands were struggling with similar things. And I will never forget one woman told me that by staying with my husband, I was deliberately subjecting myself to psychological abuse. And she was angry with me because I was, she said, I was counseling other women to do the same thing, to subject themselves to psychological abuse. And this was after I had shared that my husband and I had lived apart for almost a year before moving back in together when we determined that we were in a better place to do so. And also being clear, as I am clear here in this podcast, 
that I suffered no physical abuse and that certainly the church allows for separation to keep spouses safe when physical abuse is present. But it just shows you the varied response, right? For her, sticking around with a husband dealing with the stuff that my husband deals with is psychological abuse. And for me, I know that this is the cross that I'm called to help him bear and that far from being psychological abuse, it is my opportunity to bring both my husband and myself closer to heaven. One more note here about this book. We have talked before about the value of listening to men sharing about themselves. And in her book, Dr. Laura shares a lot of input from husbands who reached out to her as she was writing this book. She says, quote, The universal complaint of men who emailed my website with their opinions about the proper care and feeding of husbands was that their wives criticize, complain, nag, rarely compliment or express appreciation, are difficult to satisfy, and basically are not as nice to them as they'd be to a stranger ringing their doorbell at 3 a.m., end quote. Some of these husbands are telling Dr. Laura things that they feel they can't tell their wife or that they've tried to tell their wife and feel that they're not being heard. Dr. Laura shares that, quote, men will typically suffer in silence long, long before they will complain or screech out in pain. Isolation and alcohol abuse is where it shows, end quote. And also, quote, if a man can't find peace in his own home where he should be able to feel relaxed, accepted, loved, and content, he begins not only to hate coming home, but he begins to hate his life, end quote. Now, I wish I could say that when women are made aware of the depth of their husband's pain, that women consistently want to make it better. But unfortunately, I've seen a lot of evidence that women are still wild cards, even when they become aware of that pain. One of the most telling passages in this book from one of the husbands reads, quote, I would appreciate even a quiet thank you, but I get instead a, you know you spread germs when you dry dishes with a dish towel. So next time I stop when the drainer is full and work on something else. Response, why can't you do all the dishes? So next time I carefully stack dishes three feet high. Response, you know that I greased the bread pan and I was planning on using it again and now thanks to you causing me more work, I have to grease it all over again. So the next time when I can no longer stack any higher, I wait a couple of hours for the dishes to air dry and put the first batch away. Response, one of the spoons was still damp when you put it in the drawer. So the next time I leave the dishes and spend two hours cleaning the living room. Response, why don't you ever do anything around the house? Can't you see the dishes need to be done? So next time I stand in front of the kitchen sink with tears running down my face, wanting to help out with something that will be noticed but petrified that I will discover one more way to do the dishes wrong. Response, I want a divorce. I have to do everything myself anyway. I would be much happier with a quiet thank you. End quote. 
I think that the understanding of the pain men experience is one of the most powerful things about Dr. Laura's book. And so I recommend it with a hope that in situations where nothing else can get through to a badly behaving wife, that maybe, just maybe, the revelation of pain might. I know that that was something um, that got through to me when I realized how much my husband was hurting. And I had told him uh, when we were dating, I told him I wanted to love all of the hurt out of him. And when I realized that that was precisely not what I was doing, but that I was actually making it worse, that was when I really started to wake up about my marriage. The book is The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Thanks again for joining us here on the Wolf to Wife podcast for another end of the month spotlight. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Thank you.